What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill writing for nonprofit organizations. Throughout technical writers' careers, they may find themselves working in several different industries. They could start their career writing end-user documentation for a software company, maybe shift to healthcare to write white papers, then transition into marketing to write web copy. And this shouldn't surprise us. Technical writers have several skills that transfer well to different industries. That's why in this episode, you're going to learn how to write for an industry that you perhaps haven't considered, or if you're like me before I recorded this episode, had a limited understanding of its opportunities. And that's writing for nonprofit organizations. Turns out, technical writers have far more opportunities to contribute to a nonprofit's mission beyond grant writing. And in this episode, you're going to learn how to use your technical writing skills to capture those opportunities. To help us unpack this skill, we have Kathleen Franks on the podcast, recent graduate of Auburn University's TechCom Master's program, who throughout university used her technical writing skills to assist several nonprofits. In this episode, Kathleen shares how you can use your skills to start writing for nonprofit organizations, including which tech writing skills best assist nonprofits, how to use your skills to advocate for nonprofits, and how to use your skills for more than just grant writing. Big shout out to Knowledge Owl, a wonderful knowledge based software product for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Writer, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hey there, Kathleen. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How's Great. life in Auburn? Uh, it's hot, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty good I, other than that. I feel you. I, I'm based in Denton, Texas, just a few states over, so we're we're dealing with some mighty heat here as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can definitely empathize. That's right. Well, Kathleen, so happy to have you on the podcast today to talk about writing for nonprofit organizations. And I know these days you're working for a government um, contractor, but you have this excellent background in writing for nonprofits, which I'm really excited to learn more about today. To get us started, could you give us a brief background on your work in nonprofits? Sure. So I actually didn't start working with nonprofits until I started my master's two years ago. Um, but during that short two years, I wrote a grant proposal, I designed an infographic merger announcement and, a comp and accompanying social media graphic for a local nonprofit that was merging with an out-of-state nonprofit. Um, I led a class project in which we redesigned an organization's marketing materials. Um, the biggest thing they wanted was to emphasize diversity. So I helped not only to approve all of the designs that um, my classmates had worked together to make, but I also was the liaison between our contact and the class, and I have also planned a fundraising campaign. That's wonderful, Kathleen. W was this, uh, you know, an existing um, 
passion of yours to work with nonprofits, or did this kind of occur naturally as you pursued your master's program? Well, I started my tech comm degree wanting to work with nonprofits, but originally throughout my life, I didn't think I would be here. Um, it just kind of came organically after I had been in the uh, the working world for a little bit in between my bachelor's and my master's. Yeah, very good. So in your experience working with a few of these nonprofits during your master's program, is it mostly, I know you said you did some infographics as well. I'm, I'm quick to think, and this is likely incorrect, that tech writing for nonprofits is, for the most part, strictly just grants. Is that incorrect thinking? In, in your experience, is there a variety of other avenues in nonprofits where our skills translate to nonprofit organizations? Yes. There is actually a wide variety of ways that you can use your technical writing skills because not only will you be writing grants, that is a huge part of it and a very important part, but you're also going to be communicating uh, with donors, whether that be through social media posts or um, ads that you post on Google so that you can drive uh, people to your website, but also through like monthly reports to your donors. So a lot of times donors who, who donate regularly or donors who give a, a high dollar amount on a regular basis, they want more specific information than just, you know, someone that gives $5 here and there. They will want um, not only information about how you use the money that they donated, but also any kind of upcoming events, any uh, current programs that you have going on. But they want all of this in a very personal um, format so that they feel like they're actually making a connection with you and with the people that they donate their money to help. Kathleen, that's a great point of just how the tech writing skills really tap into a lot of parts of nonprofit organizations. I, I currently work for a nonprofit called Strong Towns. Um, it's a national media organization that advocates for building more financially resilient neighborhoods. And, you know, they were attracted to my work as a prospective employee because of my tech writing background. But it's funny, you know, like I came from doing just like strictly software documentation, never done anything for nonprofits. But once I got hired at Strong Towns, I found myself using a lot of other tech writing skills. I was creating, you know, getting into InDesign for annual reports. Right. Um, I was doing um, some of our peer-to-peer support forums, connecting existing members with one another. I was managing the social media accounts and it was really refreshing. I'm sure you experienced this as well. It's like, yeah, maybe, you know, I went to university and, you know, I learned a lot about software documentation or developer documentation, whatever it might be. But then once you start getting involved with other organizations outside of software, you find out that there's a lot of opportunities to use your skills. Right. And it's always something different all the time. So you don't feel like you're sitting in a cubicle all day. You're putting your hands on a lot of different projects, even if it all goes to the same organization. So it's it's not boring and it's actually really fulfilling. Yeah. What was your employer's perspective on your work? Like they knew that you were pursuing a master's in technical writing. What did they expect that you would bring to the table? Like, did they think that okay, Kathleen's going to come in here and she's going to be, you know, an excellent writer. That's probably her expertise. That's good enough for us. Then you surprise them with these design skills or did most of your experience with employers, they knew that you had a variety of tech writing skills that you could apply to their organization? Mm, I think maybe they kind of had lower, a lower idea of what they expected sure. um, just because I was a student. But Auburn has a really good um, reputation as being a great school, and a lot of my teachers had um, some connections with local nonprofits. So some of the people I worked with did know uh, the people that I knew at Auburn. 
but you know, I was still a student, so I don't think they really expected the best work or they expected to do a lot more handholding. But sure. everyone that I worked with, um, to my knowledge, was pretty impressed with what I did. And, and you know, that's not to brag or anything, but they were um, really happy with the way that I used my, uh, my you know, analysis skills to create yeah. a document that was really appropriate for what they needed. That's wonderful, Kathleen. So you worked with a few of these nonprofit organizations during university. Thinking back on those projects, what skills did you have that you believe were most helpful for the nonprofit organization? Was it being that generalist where, hey, if you ask me to do some social media blurbs, I got you. You asked me to design an infographic, I got you. You asked me to you know, write an annual report for our major donors, I got you. Or was there you know, being more of a specialist in a specific skill that was most appealing to employers? You know, I think both actually, because the number one thing that that I encountered is you have to be able to communicate effectively with a lot of different groups of people. So, for example, you will have um, foundations who want super specific information. They really want to know how you plan to use their money if they give you any money. And they also want to know how you use the money that they gave you. So you have to be able to um, take information, a lot of information, and make it into a concise report that really just answers what they're looking for. You don't want to, you know, go overboard with the detail or anything, but you want to let them know, like, I fulfilled the um, the terms of this award. And then you also um, want to be able to, you know, on the other side, make a human connection with your donors, let them know that, you know, you're, you guys have the same passion and you want to help the same people or the same group. So you have to really be able to work on the technical side, but you also have yeah. to be able to, you know, let them know, let your donors know that you guys have the same goal in mind and you have to give them um, information that really speaks to not only um, like their humanity, but they also want to know like, what they're giving their money to. So you have to do a lot of different things, but the biggest thing, in my opinion, is to communicate effectively with different people. Yeah, that's a great point, Kathleen. And I've been impressed, you know, uh, or just, um, I don't know the right word for it, but how employers respond to, you know, tech writers adding some of those design elements to their documentation. You know, I think as an example, my partner here in Denton was applying for, I don't recall the exact title, um, but I'll say grant writer for the time being. And one of the um, parts of the application was that she had to write a mock grant proposal. And of course, like any grant um, proposal, the funder says, okay, like these are like three goals for this funding. Like we want to whatever, uh, increase more housing, um, improve mobility, better access to food. And I, I was sitting with my partner and I was like, you know what? Like I, you should use some headers. <laughs> like right. it, it was really simple, but I was like, you know what? Like, I don't think like a lot of the other applicants are, are going to use headers in this. Like it's, it's something that we don't really think of when we think about writing. And then, so she took those three goals that they wanted to use put them each in a header, explained how in this make-believe scenario, how she would use the money to meet those goals. And she heard back from the employer and was like, we were so impressed with the headers. <laughs> like no one else did that. <laughs> right, and it's and that like is- the, the simple tech writing skill we learned, but they loved it. It was really funny. Right. And that is such a simple fix, I guess is the way to say it, because yeah. um, not only does it put the most important information first, but it's also an attention getter. And 
um, it sets you apart from the people who didn't use something as simple as headers. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, um, like create a, an infographic for any kind of grant proposal that you're you're writing. But anything as simple as headers or just the way the paper is organized just to make it easier on the reader will make you stand out among people that didn't use that kind of attention to detail. Absolutely. It shows that you actually read through that grant proposal, understand who this funder is, what their goals are. Because of course, they want to look good with whoever they give their money to. Right. So to show that you'll, you'll put that credit back on them is awesome. Right, exactly. And they have so many grant proposals that they're going through too. You definitely want to be remembered and you want to make yeah. the, the um, experience of reading your grant proposal a, ple a um, pleasant one. You don't want them to feel like they're bogged down with information that doesn't have paragraph breaks or something like that because sure. even the smallest thing can get you thrown in the trash. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Kathleen, is there anything else that we need to discuss about grants? Because, you know, I mean, thinking me personally, I've worked in software documentation. Now I'm doing more, you know, community building type documentation. But I've always been fascinated in being a grant writer and many other tech writers that I've conversed with have that goal as well. You, you've given a lot of great tips about grant writing. Is there anything that we haven't covered yet that would be helpful for the tech writer who's never worked with grants before, but is interested in making that career shift. Yeah, I would say that grant writing is a lot more uh, labor intensive than I had originally thought just because when I wrote a grant, I was a volunteer. So I was outside of the organization and, um, a lot of times grants will require that you go into great detail about, um, how specifically the money they give you will be allocated and um, how you will evaluate the program that you're asking money for, you know, whether it's successful, if you'll do it again, or if, you know, it's not basically, you know, was their money put to good use? So um, you have to have a lot of background knowledge. And if you don't, then it can be kind of hard. So it's really important to keep the lines of communication open between you and your person of contact at the um, organization. I had a great, um, woman she uh, always she'll text to me and she she uh, talked on the phone to me and I actually went and sat in her office for about I think it was a full day actually just to go over the specifics that we needed for the grant because yeah. um, it was a big deal and we didn't want to you know miss out on that money and a lot of times uh, when you write a grant proposal you know you kind of need to have in mind that you're probably not going to get this money to begin with, just because it's, it's really hard and you can get disqualified for so many different things, but you're never going to win the grant money that you don't apply for. So um, it's really important to, to at least try and to do the best that you can. Um, like I said, keep those lines of communication open yeah. because um, the people that are actually involved on the ground with the organization are are going to be your best friend in this process. They're going to have such a big passion for what they do they will be able to tell you what you need to know and sometimes how you need to, you know, frame it so that you will get your point across in the most effective way to the, you know, potential funder. And on top of that, if if you've never looked for a, a potential funder before, it can be really overwhelming just because, you know, the internet is there's way way too much information out there, especially yeah. when you're looking for something really specific like uh, foundations that are wanting to give money to you. So. Um, in my class that are, uh, we use the foundation center 
it's basically an online database that allows you to search for foundations by things like type or a geographic location. You do Perfect. have to pay to use it, um, but it, I think it's worth it just because it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Um, and they have all the information available to you so where you can see. Um, so like if I'm writing a grant for a faith-based organization, I need to check and make sure that the potential funder I'm looking at um, will actually give to faith-based organizations because a lot mm -hmm. of times they don't. So the um, Foundation Center will actually give you all that information so that you don't apply for a grant that you wouldn't get anyway because you're automatically off the list. That makes sense, Kathleen. And I want to rewind a little bit. You said, you know, throughout this grant process, you know, if you, just, just apply, you know, because any money that is out there, just give it a shot. If you don't get it, it's all good. But you mentioned that there is what sounds like a really small margin of error. Where in your experience do grants miss the mark? You know, is it, what is it? What causes people to be disqualified from potential funding? Well, I think that could be a lot of different things. So for example, some grants are really picky about how the, um, what the format is. So some, sometimes they want the grant proposal to be uh, no more than 20 pages, stapled in the upper left-hand corner. It wow. has to have these really? different sections. Yes. It has huh. to have these different sections. It has to be um, sent via mail. And, um, you know, if you miss huh. the postmark date, then you're out. It's, I don't think they do that to be, you know, harsh or anything. It's just they have so many applications. They don't want to, you know, triflers need not apply kind of thing. Sure. So, um, it's really important to actually, you know, follow the directions to a T. I think I actually had um, a like a to-do list where I checked off like if I had satisfied the requirement or not. And um, a lot of times they have word uh, like uh, mine, for example, was on an online fillable form. So I didn't have to worry about format so much. I just had to basically type in the um, information into a box, but I did have character limits. So I had to, what I did was I had a Word document where I, you know, typed out my response and then I also, you know, counted the characters and then edited as I needed to, to do it. And um, what was funny with that was that I had to actually get kind of creative with my abbreviations. I had to make them, <laughs> you know, um, more straight, straightforward enough where they knew what the abbreviation was for, but I couldn't, you know, spell out every word that I needed to just because yeah. there was so much information involved. So you just have to pay attention to what, um, what format they really want. And that's where the tech writer shines. So listeners, I hope if you're interested in making that shift into nonprofit work, Kathleen's done a great job of explaining it. And it seems like that core skill is that attention to detail, read through the instructions, make sure we're checking off all the boxes to ensure that we have the best possibility to win this funding. So tech writers, you got that core skill, it sounds like. <laughs> right. Pretty transferable to the nonprofit work. Absolutely. Use so what Kathleen, you have. Yeah. Kathleen, let's talk about finding that first nonprofit gig. Say I'm about five years into my tech writing career, been only working for um, technology companies, but I'm interested in making that shift into nonprofits. Where do I get started? What types of job titles should I look for? I imagine it's far more than just searching grant writer. What tips do you have? Well, it can actually be pretty hard to find a job in the nonprofit sector just because um, they usually base everything off of volunteer work. Yeah. Um, but I think the best thing, the best first step to, to take is to look for an organization that you are really passionate about 
And um, even if they don't have anything posted online, like they're seeking for, you know, a grant writer or something, just call them and ask because that's what I did. Um, That's how I got my grant writing gig. But um, also, um, like, for example, I looked at United Way uh, and they actually have the organizations that are affiliated with them listed locally. And they have, um, like, for example, there's one posted for NAMI, which is searching for an ongoing uh, grant writer. So you can look online, you can do cold calls, really. Um, either way, just find a, an organization that you're passionate about and then try to make your connection from there. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you never know. Absolutely. So say if a tech writer wants to start volunteering for a nonprofit organization, in your experience, what is the greatest and most recurring void in a nonprofit that tech writer could come in and offer 10 hours of volunteer work to help fill that void? You know, honestly, I'm not sure the right answer to that question because a lot of times the people that are actually having to to write the grants and write the documentation they are are actual employees of the organization so if it's like a a mental health organization they're the counselors that work there so they're a lot of times they're spread pretty thin and they have a lot of you know a lot of things on their plate at all times so um, anything that you can go in and, and just take some of the burden off of them whether that be you know managing their um, social media content calendar or um it doesn't have to be a grant, you know, it can just be anything sure. that in, involves a lot of thinking and a lot of time and a lot of typing and you can do it. Wonderful. And imagine they can offer some great expertise for design and formatting as well. Say, you know, they're just used to submitting that word document with not much imagery. Maybe someone with InDesign skills could come in and take that completed grant proposal, turn into a really appealing document in InDesign as well. Absolutely. And, and things like um, t-shirts, you could do yeah. t-shirt fundraisers, you could um, design really anything and do a fundraiser out of it or make cool flyers that will attract people to your event that is a it, that is actually a fundraiser. You can do all kinds of things. There's really no limit. But um, yeah, just, just apply the skills that you have and you'll find some kind of fulfillment in that area. That's great, Kathleen. It sounds like, you know, start off as just being an advocate. Yeah. If you care about the mission of the organization, whether it's homelessness, food access, whatever, you already have that passion for it. Start showing up, see how the nonprofit works. And I imagine opportunities for you to apply your skills will will reveal themselves naturally. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they would find a way to use you no matter what you uh, wanted to do in the first place. So just ask. Well, Kathleen, you've done some great work for nonprofits. I know you're doing the government contractor life now. Thinking back to those years working for nonprofit organizations, tell me about some of the rewards and challenges in working with these kinds of organizations. Well, it's definitely rewarding because even though I wasn't like in the field, so to speak, actually working with the communities and the people that these organizations um, are set out to to help, I was doing kind of the background work that that either informed or. Um, somehow directly affected the work that they were doing that, you know, trickled down and and affected the way they were actually helping people. So that was really rewarding um, on my end, just because I know that, you know, I have a very specific skill set and I can actually use that outside of a, outside of a cubicle, outside of, you know, four walls to actually make a a human connection and a human impact. Um, And as far as the challenges go there, I I would say there's probably, um, a learning curve when it comes to volunteering for a nonprofit. And that's only because you're not, you know, there every day and you yeah. don't, you don't know everything that's going on all the time. So um, it can be a little bit frustrating just because you, you know, you always have to ask someone else. You can't just do it or read about it on your own. Sure. Um, 
but you know, it's all worth it because at the end of the day, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're actually, you know, helping someone or a cause that you really care about. So whatever challenges that you come to, just take it as a learning experience. And, you know, if you don't do that well, you'll do better next time and um, just keep working at what you're doing. And um, no matter what, you'll find fulfillment in it. Wonderful. That's excellent advice, Kathleen. I appreciate you sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kathleen, this has been an absolute joy. I know this has been very refreshing for me to learn more about writing for nonprofit organizations. I imagine it's refreshing for listeners as well. If anyone wants to connect with you, learn more about the great work that you're doing, where can people connect with you online? Um, I would say probably Twitter. And my handle is just my name, Kathleen Franks. Perfect. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much. This has been a joy. We'll chat very soon. Thanks so much, Jacob. Thanks, Kathleen. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Knowledge Owl, creators of the wonderful knowledge-based software for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Writer podcast. And thanks so much to each of you for listening to this episode. Talk soon.